Welcome to the Main Outdoor Enthusiast Podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm Mark. So what do we got going on today? I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> What's what what is the podcast today? Oh, no, we get all kinds of good stuff. Okay. Maybe we'll get into a little politics. Oh, that's well, right. Well, not it, politics yeah, stuff, yeah. but yeah. news like stuff that's right. going on. So our last podcast was fun. Yes, it was. Joe was, Joe was a, a good time. Joe was an excellent guy and a, yeah, he's very interesting guy. Yeah. I kind of, I like his, uh, he's technically not down East, but, yeah. but I, I, he kind of has that down yeah, East humor. Pretty, yeah. Pretty close. Uh, yeah. I, I like, I like his humor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, and I've envisioned those down Easters as pretty tough guys that can deal a, a lot with discomfort and hard workers. And that's kind of how I look at Joe. He's yeah, probably a pretty so, hard worker that doesn't mind pain. No. So he, he'd so. be a good Good person to deer, deer track. Yep. Yep. I had someone had asked, actually, someone asked me about prepping for deer season, like how I do it exercise right. wise and stuff yeah. like that. And he just made a comment saying he kind of feels like everything he sees is like, you got to be some sort of elite athlete doing all kinds of extreme workouts. And, uh, I know a lot of that gets posted on social media. And I was telling them, I'm like, you know, it makes good for, it makes nice reels on social media and stuff, but you don't have to be. You mean to tell me I've been wasting my time working out? <laughs> yeah. You, you've been posting reels and stuff on Instagram of your yeah, crazy been, workouts? Been, yeah. I, I put a <laughs> 50 pound rock in my knapsack. I've been running up and down hills well, and stuff. And I'm surprised your knees are still together. Well, they're, they're coming apart. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, mean, I wish I had that memo before. Yeah. Put, you know. Put the discomfort out of sight, out of mind. Yep. And we were talking about that when we were up checking trail cameras the other day, just on how yeah. people are less prone to being uncomfortable now, nowadays. Right. And how if you focus on, you know, if not your discomfort, but how you'll appreciate being comfortable after being right uncomfortable. Right. Like anytime I do anything around the house, I I really look forward to... I like to do things hard because I know if I come in like wintertime, sit by the fire or something and have a coffee. Right. It's that much better. You just, you savor that, those good times. Yeah. So much more. I can't imagine a life where we didn't do that stuff, where we were always looking for a comfort zone or whatever. I I can't imagine. No. And it feels so much better when you shoot a deer doing something like that. Yeah. When you've worked really hard. Yeah. And yeah. you're exhausted. Well, anything in life, whether it, it's your day-to-day job or anything that, yeah. Uh, yeah. As opposed, cause I mean, I've done it both ways. I've sat on stand and no, nothing against shooting a deer from a stand, but I've shot a deer from a stand and I just, I remember the last one I shot while sitting on stand, I just, it just didn't do it. Yeah. Just didn't do it for me. Something's missing. And, uh, so yeah, those days that it's really cold and windy and you go a lot of miles and you're, you feel like your day's fruitless and you get back at camp, nice dinner, yep. nice warm fire. Yeah. And then sleep finds you so well. Yeah. And then you, uh, you do that four or five days in a row without getting a deer. And then when you get one, you know, you've, uh, yeah. you've earned it and, uh, you appreciate it more yeah. for sure. There was a deer a few years back that I'd shot. Remember it was. I was about four miles in on a road that you couldn't drive. And I drug it the entire way 
Oh yeah, out the road myself. Yeah, back in the early two thousands. Is that? Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was. Yeah, yeah, and that was, I you know coming out in the dark. It was Thanksgiving Day. Yes, it was. And uh, I remember coming out in the dark, and the guy I was hunting with. I didn't want to mess up his hunt. So I was like, I shot the deer in the morning. I was like, well, I can drag on this all day long and I'm sure I can get it out to. And you did. Up by, and I was just about there by 4.30. Yep, you did. And it started to snow like a son of a gun. And the problem a, is too, the last uh, half mile or so was all uphill. All uphill. Luckily he had met me just as I get to the bottom of that hill. Yeah. And we finished it up to the truck. Yeah. Bringing it up there and uh, it was snowing like crazy. Yeah. And it was probably, I don't know, 5, 5.30 at night at that point. I've actually brought a few deer out of that same road. Yeah. Some by myself, but I did have a deer carrier. Yeah. That and I wasn't it. four, I was two miles, about half the way in from where you were. Yeah. I was about two miles in. So. Yeah. So that was, so you felt, you feel good. And the next day I was a little bit sore, but not bad. Felt yeah. good. Went bird hunting that day. You're building muscle. Cause you were, you'd shot a deer. Yeah. Already. So we were tagged out, did some bird hunting that day and yeah. kind of. Savored the rest of the week. Yep. Had a few days to enjoy it. So, yeah, it feels really good when you work hard. But, yeah, you don't have to be in some extreme shape. You just got to have what's going determination. on. Determination. What's going on between your ears yep. in line. Determination, for sure. So, yeah. So, back to Joe. He would be a good. He seems like he's got the mindset. Yeah. To, yeah, to he's, yeah, he's a tough guy. Joe, you can tell Joe's a, Joe's a tough guy that, uh, yeah, he wants to do it. And yeah. that's 90% of it. Yeah. Determination. So. And thinking you can do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He, he believes he can do it. So. Yeah. Don't, don't let that crop up in your head. That yeah. Can't do it. People less capable do it every day. They do. Or every they day do. during hunting season. I so. didn't realize we were talking about the Benoits here and, and Lanny has since, uh, and some of the pod, he's done quite a few podcasts within the last few years and, uh, he talks about what kind of shape he was in after he, he had nothing left. Yeah, yeah. After he shot his deer. Oh, in his younger years? Yes. Oh, yeah. He yeah, he hard. talked about that, you know, how going back to camp or whatever after a day's hunt, he, he said, I had, I had nothing left. Yeah. I had, you know, I was, I was done. The one, the one story I always liked, and it was in one of the books. So if you read the books, you would have, would have known the story, but the buck that he had tracked and was shooting at, over and over and over throughout the day. And as I recall the story in the book, there was crusty snow, quite a bit of it. Yep. Which makes it really hard, especially if there's enough of a crust where you just start to get your body weight yep. up off the ground and you break through. And he did that all day long. And he finally shot the deer and he just fell back in the snow. Yeah, I, I remember that. Just, yeah, just laid there. Yeah, he yeah. had nothing left. Yeah, he was... Yeah. That's hard work doing that. Yeah. And, it was, and especially when there's a crust, that makes it... Yeah. 10 times harder. Just very awkward yeah. walking. But, um, oh, so actually hunting season started for some people. Goose season's open, isn't it? Moose? Goose. Oh, goose. Yeah. Probably resident go I goose. Was sit, uh, I was sitting season, here yeah. actually preparing for this podcast yeah. yesterday morning. And it was just starting to get light. I don't know if it was like six o'clock or whatever. Now I can hear all kinds of gunshots. Yeah, they used to hunt the field right yeah. below you here. I think they probably not this year. No, it's potatoes this it's year. Potatoes this yeah. year, and yeah, the tops are still green. They've killed yeah, them. They've uh, they've planted grain there them. before and had uh, had goose hunters in there. 
So, so it was nice. You start hearing that, and it automatically just brings you into yeah. You start and thinking fall. Things are changing. The leaves are yeah. changing, and days uh, are shorter. Yeah, yeah, way shorter. Goose hunting would be fun. I watched those guys one year. The first time I ever saw it, we had just moved in the house, and and down below our house, there's a a big field that they plant potatoes in one year, and then rotational crops other years. And uh, I watched guys all one fall haul decoys and stuff out there mm-hmm. early in the morning. And then I, I can see completely down over the town. Right. And basically the hilltops going into another town. And you could watch geese coming in. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you'd see a few of the geese from the V veer off and come into the field. Right. And then pretty soon you'd hear boom, 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 boom. And they'd yeah. go collect all the geese and then they'd do it again. And it looked like a lot of fun. They did a yeah. lot of shooting. Yeah, it's, it's actually become quite popular up here, the goose hunting and stuff. And they've expanded the season. Like I say, now they have an early season, which is what they consider a resident goose hunt. Okay. It's, the, the geese are not migratory. They're geese that, uh, and we got a pile of them right at the yep. lake, right in front of the camp. So one thing I want to discuss is the, uh, I grew up, at least in this area, I had to take hunter safety course to get a license after the age of 16. Right. To get an adult license. You didn't have to. They started that in, what, the 80s at some point? Yeah, I'm not sure, but I was grandfathered in because if you had a license before a certain time, you were not required to uh, take the hunter safety course, so. But regardless, it was something that was done at the school. Yeah. And I think my sister did it there. Yeah. My wife did it there. So we all got our hunter safety certification through the school. Right. Super convenient. It was really easy. I don't believe it cost anything. Probably um, not. I think it may have been sponsored yeah. like by maybe the Fish and Game Club in town right. or something like that. Maybe the VFW. I know one of the guys that was running it was a member of the VFW. Um, but that was, that was really important for me to get that hunter safety course. Made it easy. And so the the feds are kind of pulling this deal where they want to withhold funding from schools that provide mm. any sort of hunter education right, or archery education. Yeah. So what they're doing, so to withhold funding from these schools, is they're, u- they're using a provision in the, what's the BSCA? It's the Bipartisan Safety Community Act. Yeah. And they're interpreting a section of it that says federally funded programs can't provide training in the use of a dangerous weapon. So they're trying to say, you know, like kind of ed yeah. courses and stuff like that kind of falls under that clause. And the problem I have with that, well, I have a lot of problems with it, but, you know, one is none of these courses actually had a weapon or even really referred to. Right. Like they actually avoided calling a lot like guns. Right. And they would refer to them as firearms. Right. And stuff like that. Yeah. But there were no guns or anything in the course. A lot of it was survival stuff. Right. You know, safe hunting practices, uh, being proficient in the woods, knowing mm-hmm. how to use a map, knowing how to use a compass. Yeah. All that stuff. And then the archery side of things, you know, any, any classes that teach archery, you know, they use blunt tips right they're not using broadheads and stuff like that um so yeah have you read much about i have not i you've heard me say before i do not uh, i don't watch the news or follow uh 
I know just enough, and I know these people that uh, are running the country right now, and uh, they're set against anything that a conservative person would, I mean, anything that a normal right-thinking conservative person would believe in, they're going to do the opposite. It's just, yeah. it's just the way it is. So anything I would like or do, or they want to get rid of, they want to, yeah. And anything yeah. that I think is wrong or don't like, they're all they, for They it. want to promote it in schools. Yep. Yeah. For me, anything, so knowledge is power. Yeah. And the more informed someone can be about anything, and it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. You know, if I'm buying something or it's easy to be taken advantage of if you don't know about something. Right. It's easy to be deceived and to be led down a, a bad road if you're ill-informed, if you're ignorant of a subject. Mm. So anytime you can be not ignorant on a subject, know about it, you can make informed decisions about that subject on your own. And that's what we should be able to do is make decisions for ourselves right? with our own minds, think for ourselves, not have someone tell us what we're going to learn, when we're going to learn it, and withhold that information. So basically don't send your kids to the school system. <laughs> well, Homeschool, is yeah. that what you're telling me? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. so it, it hits home with me for two big reasons. One was that's where I got my hunter ed, was through the school. Yeah. And I can remember doing those nights there. And the guys that took their time to teach the course, um, it was a good time. Right. Learned a lot of things. Even though I was, I'd grown up doing this stuff, you still learn a lot of, a lot of stuff, whether it's map and compass stuff or, right. you know, survival stuff or just different gear to have, a different perspective on, right. on hunting. Two, I had a class in high school, outdoors in Maine. Yeah. And to this day, I use a lot of the stuff that I learned in that class. Right. Almost daily. And it was an outdoors and main class that we did things like we built snowshoes. That's how I get into rod building. Build fly rods. Yeah. Uh, we were going to build a canoe. We didn't get around to it. Um, tie, uh, we did fly tying. Yeah. Uh, what else? We, we did an alligash trip. Did a canoe Two trip. Of them. With the class. Yeah. Yeah. I was a chaperone on those. Uh, what else? We did some Appalachian Trail stuff. Like uh, yeah. they expanded the Appalachian Trail up through here. Actually just down beyond my property. Right. Built a lean-to, an outhouse and stuff like that for people mm. hiking the Appalachian Trail. Hunter's Breakfast mm -hmm. we put on. Uh, all kinds of things that I still use to this day. And if something like this went through, I would never get that exposure. Right. Uh, we had a lot of interesting people. Like there was a guy that came in that taught rod building. Yeah. Over the course of, I don't know if it was a month or so. Right. And uh, yeah, and we ended up getting like, Sage blanks cheat because it was an educational program. Right. The teacher called up Sage and Sage was like, yeah, we'll give you all your, all of our blend blanks, whatever you want. It's like 30 bucks a rod or whatever. Right. 40 bucks a rod, 40 bucks a blank. Yeah. And so we had access to good blanks for next to nothing. Um, so that was a really good experience and it teaches you life skills. Yeah. That I carried on with me and passed on to yeah. others that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so yeah, I look at nowadays, if something like that were not present, yeah, I would never have had that course. Yeah. You know, and for a lot of kids, these courses provide a good sense of self worth too. Right. Yeah. There were kids in the class and that outdoors in main class that would never have been exposed to hunting or fishing otherwise. The outdoors. Yeah. 
they didn't have parents that did it. Some of them didn't right. have two parents at home. Yeah. One in particular I can think of, he, his mother worked and it was just him and his mom. You know, he got to do the Allagash. You know, and I would bet, Paul, that out of all those kids, they not one of them had ever done it before. And I bet that if they hadn't done it with with your course, they'd have never done it at all. Never done it at all. To no. this day. No. They would have never have done it at all. They would have never been exposed to it yeah. at all. You know, we, so we did nothing focused. We didn't do any shooting. Um, I think we talked about we talked about doing some archery stuff, but never, right? Never really did. But it's yeah. it, it was a good wholesome course, right? And taught you a lot of skills. That well, and the thing, a you. lot of a lot of skills you could use. I mean, Northern Maine, there's not a lot of uh, recreation available to uh, to people up here, and and uh, to open up the outdoors, like you say, the ice fishing and snowshoeing yeah. and fly fishing and uh, all those things, camping it uh, to open that up. People, yeah, people will say there's, like, what do you do up there? There's nothing to do. There's a lot to do. If you like to do those things. You, yeah. So. It's just kind of. There is a lot to what do. What do you want to do? Right. Like, if you consider right. going out and fine dining and. Or going movies, to a Red Sox or a Bruins game. No, well, you can't do, do that here. But, yeah, there's but a if, lot of other things to, to do. For if you sure. want to hunt, hike, yeah. fish, basically wherever you want. Canoe, camp. Because we have, we're not limited in access to land up here. Oh, no, we're fortunate. At all. We're fortunate. There was another podcast. They talked about that, that how fortunate we are. To, and we've talked about it here on this yeah. podcast before, to to have the amount of privately held land available to us. Yeah, I've, I've, and I've said that repeatedly. Yeah. I talk about the North Main Woods a lot. Yeah, yeah. To have it, I mean, right, we just... At the camp, Paul, we get in the pickup and we go anywhere we want. Yeah. We go anywhere we want. Yeah. No problems. We've always taken that for granted because it's been there, that that access to that land has been there ever since I've been alive. So, yeah. and, and same with you. And we take that for granted. And, uh, but sometimes you stop and think that, that that could change in a heartbeat. It could. That could be all gone next year. Yep. So... Yeah, and that would throw a big wrench into, or at least make it. Yep, it would change enjoyable. our world completely, especially fishing. Yeah, yeah, and bird hunting and stuff like yep. that. So and deer hunting, it would yeah. change our world, one hundred percent. Yeah, so I've always been very appreciative of, of that. Yeah, and yeah, more so now. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things, <laughs> one of the other things I wanted to talk about was Sunday hunting. But you informed me there was another podcast that had just talked about some Sunday hunting. Yeah, stuff. they just they just touched on that. That Sunday hunting and was it the Big Woods Box podcast? Yeah, I the, I haven't they, had a chance to listen to it yet. Yeah, and yeah, they. Well, the, it was something I was thinking about the other. The morning. deal, the the pushback, I guess, on that is the landowners. They, yeah. they, mostly the small landowners, but they, they probably want Sunday open to do whatever they want on their land. Well, that's what the, but you know, and then they've kind of said that they want to stay united. So even the big landowners are going to, are going to side with the small landowners on that Sunday hunting issue yeah. that, that, uh, I so. see both sides of it because yeah. if, if you don't have tunnel vision, you know, cause I can. Definitely see where I, I could even do it. 
where I'm like, yeah, I absolutely want Sunday hunting. Right. Because it, I have vacation time, but if I didn't, right. I'm going to be very limited without Sunday, just hunting Saturday. Right. That ends up being in November, like five Saturdays. Yeah. If you count resident only. Yeah. Saturday. So you, I would get five Saturdays to hunt. Yeah. And then one Saturday in muzzleloader. Yeah. Week. So potentially six Saturdays, six days I could hunt. And, you know, I'm like, well, boys, if I'm working full time, no, no vacation, that's not much. Right. But on the flip side, you know, I understand landowners wanting a day to right. go out and, and do whatever and not have to worry about hunters and whatnot on their property. Um, the other thing that I'd never thought about, but I think it was mentioned actually probably on, I think on the Big Woods Bucks podcast is, and I, I get this feeling sometimes just with, if I have a week off hunting, it's nice to have Sunday and you hear guides, they were talking about guides Sunday, not, you know, being closed to hunting on Sunday, right. kind of gives them a day to reset. And we always did that, Paul. Yeah. When, we, when we went on our deer week, the, the, both Sundays, beginning and ending, were our travel days. Yeah. We, we, so we, were, we were under no pressure to go hunting. No. So we could actually enjoy the camaraderie yeah. of camp, have a big supper, get to camp, and, you know, in the afternoon and, and, and set everything up. And, and, uh, and then same way coming out, you know, yeah. the, the following Sunday, there was, you know, we weren't in, on any being pushed to hunt. No. Or, and you can say that, you know, right now you could say, well, I, I could take that day and just relax going in. I don't know if I could. Knowing in the back of my head, I could be out deer hunting. That's what I'm saying. Especially it, if it's a good day. We put, like, we, I would be rushing. We would put pressure on ourselves to be out there hunting. To get there. And uh, so you're forced to accept that you're not going to go. And like like you say, it, it, it adds other things to the, to the yeah. uh, vacation, to the trip. And it kind of clicked when they said, you know, for guides, because gosh, if you thought, think of a guide who's hunting like bear season. Yeah. My gosh, you would start, well, September. Right. Right. And go all the way through until Without a day December, off. Without yeah. a day off. Because if you have paying clients. Right. They want to hunt. They're not going to want to sit at camp. No. On a Sunday. And no. So it, it's a like a forced day off. Yeah. So, I mean, and, that's, that's a good. And there again, in Maine, that. Paul. It's something we've never had. We've never had Sunday no. hunting. So you kind of, you know, it's not like it was taken away from us or anything, you know. So it's what we've always known. So it's fairly easy to live with yep. for us because that's all we've ever known. We've yep. never, we've never been able to hunt on Sunday. So, and I've thought, you know, maybe there's some ways they could go around it. Like maybe public land, have that open. Right. Like publicly owned land, I should say. Right. Um, but I don't know what kind of, problems that when you start doing stuff like that there's yeah. problems that you can't even think of that could crop up yeah um you know regulating that stuff and yeah i, I just see all kinds of potential yeah so the, the way it stands issues. now is it doesn't look like that's ever going to be no 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 and like I said, i'm probably now when i was younger i probably <laughs> was like yeah not being able to hunt on sunday is ridiculous right but i'm kind of like well i Six to one half dozen to another. Yep. I'm like 50-50. I could go in. Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem if it was open. Right. And I guess I'm, I don't have a problem with the yeah. status quo I, I, right now. I can't complain about it. It's not that big of a deal for me. 
I can go whenever I want. So, you know. You probably go less now than you did when you were working. Well, I don't know if less, but you don't go as much as you think you're going to when you're you can when you have unlimited time. You so. can pick the quality days now. Yeah, like yeah. if it's a really good day. Yeah, you can guarantee you're going to be out right deer hunting. Right, because there's days I'm sitting in work and it's a it'd be a nice day to be out deer yeah. hunting. Perfect. Yeah, and especially when it's one of those days when people are shooting deer. Yeah, there was a Veterans Day a few years back. That it was, you shot a deer that morning and we'd gotten a snow that night. It's kind of that sticky snow, like 32, yeah. 32 degrees, 33 yeah. degrees that, that next day. And yeah. uh yeah, it was like November 11th or something like that. True. A lot of people shot deer that day. Yeah, definitely the that is Veterans ringing. Day, the 11th. So, yeah. And I remember thinking it was just a perfect day to be out yeah. deer hunting. The phone was ringing like crazy. Yeah. I think Scott had shot one that year. It was like 250-something pounds. Yeah. That was... Yeah. He was tracking, I believe. Yeah. And you shot one that morning. Yeah, I think it was... You'd call, you'd text or called or something, said you shot one. Yeah. Shortly thereafter, Scott called and you'd yeah. shot one. It's like, oh my God, what am I doing here? I was working at that time, though. And Oh, yeah, you would have been. I, I was, but- and I remember... We do work Veterans Day too. That's not, a, but they asked if anybody wanted it off, and I saw the weather forecast, and I said, "You know what? Sign me up. I'll I'll take it off." Yep. So, so I guess the next month we'll probably do a little more fishing, or at least you will. Yeah, I you yeah, like the, to you yeah. like to try to catch yeah. some salmon spawning. Yeah, the the fall fishing looks like it may be fairly good with uh, the water levels and stuff, and yeah, uh, plenty of water. Yeah. Yeah. Which that can be a hindrance when they're yeah. spawning. Yeah. How do you so. usually fish for them? Fly fish. Yeah. Yeah. I fly fish. Something and, big and colorful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot like, uh, of course, they're landlogged salmon. It's a lot like uh, fishing for Atlantic salmon at that time of year. You know? They're not really feeding. No, they're more protective and yep. aggressive. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's just a patience game. A lot of casting. Keeping yep. your fly in the water. So you caught a nice one a few years back. Yeah. Seven and a half pound. Well, salmon? I got one 27 inches there that, uh, yeah. What was I the got, story behind you? You actually, he hit or came at your fly the day before yeah, you think. I, I was fishing a pool up, up on the fish river chain of lakes and, uh, there wasn't many fish in the pool. And I believe this fish that, uh, a big male with a, a big kipe on it, I believe that, uh, he hit like three days. I had, I had, and one day I hooked up, you know, and I had him hooked and he jumped and everything and came off. And I ended up catching him the last day. And I'm pretty nice. sure it was the same fish. There wasn't a lot of fish in that pool. And a fish that size, there's, you know, it's yeah. probably just him in that pool. Yeah, so he was a big, that was a big, yeah, fish. it was a nice, nice male salmon. And you've got some others not as big as that one. Yeah. But. Yeah, I usually Five catch pounds. a few fish there. And there again, it all depends on the water conditions. We had two in the years fall. in a row, wasn't it? That you yeah. really couldn't fish because no, there was no water. You're right. Some years the water's low and warm, and and there are no fish in the pool. And uh, if the water's high and cool, there's there's more apt to be fish in the pool. And yeah. Stuff, so. So and we usually that and Maine did a great thing with this is that end of September they bumped bird season. Right, into cast September, and blast. so you can go do some fishing. And, yeah, and I got some bad news about that. 
What's that? I got to work that Saturday. Oh, you do? Yeah. The, when well, the guys at work wanted to swap. Bad news for you. To, you got to work. I don't have to. Yeah. The good news is that freed up opening day of deer season. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's so always a trade-off. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can. There's the always, bird hunting is not, probably not going to be that great. No. Even opening day, I tend to like to go. Saturdays can be busy. Yeah. Especially the first Saturday. Yeah. I kind of like to go. I get a day or two off during the week usually. Yeah. And I like to go yeah. during the week. There's less pressure. Yeah. Less I actually don't like that that uh, bird season opening up on the last Saturday in September. I actually, I liked it the way it it's, was. First of October. Yeah. That's when it started. It's probably that's, too early. It is it, a little early. There's a lot of foliage on the trees yeah. that time of year. Yeah. Um. I like to go fishing. Plus, yeah. Plus being on a Saturday, it, it, it opens it up to more people, you yeah. know, before when it, if October 1st was on a Tuesday or Wednesday, might be a little less crowded yeah. in the woods and stuff. And yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, that I have, I'm not a big fan of that, but Teach their own. I'm not all broken up about it no. either. So whatever. No. So I can't go opening day, but I'll be out that Wednesday. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Hopefully it's can find some birds. Yeah. Might have to work a little bit. And I don't think you're gonna miss much. Like you say, oh, I don't not. think there's gonna be a lot no. going on, especially this year. There's some years that early in the year, you just don't start you don't you're not seeing any birds. No. And then a week or so into it, yeah. It's just like someone flips the light switch. Yeah. Start seeing birds everywhere. Yeah. So who knows how that's gonna shake out. So one sad state with the world right now is finding ammo yeah you know we've been after this is a long it's a crapshoot this is what are we <laughs> four years into a, this ammo shortage deal yeah, or whatever i i don't know i remember when i was a kid the first thing i did when i turned 18 was i went down and bought a box of bullets I, yeah it must i think it was right eight or brooks at the time yeah in town and i don't ever remember having a problem going into a store and no. finding whatever i needed for shotgun shells right. Anywhere. A anywhere. Yep. And now, like, I hunt with 150 grain bullets for my 270. I've been years. I have to special order them, find stuff here and there from gun dealers that could find me a box or two. Finally, a guy calls me up. He's like, I can get you a case. And I ordered a fair number of boxes of bullets. Right. I go over to a local store. They got all kinds now. Yeah. I'm like, that's how it works yeah. for me. I went in. So I had gone in to, I'm looking for some 28 gauge for my wife, target load. Just to, in the gun shop, it was on a Saturday. They weren't open. Then I hate going to Walmart. Yeah. But I'm like, I need some more skeets, more clay pigeons. I'll go in and buy another box of those and see if they have any 28 gauge. I go in there and that's where I see they have all kinds of 150 grain. Yeah. Uh, for my 270, but they didn't have anything but 12 gauge shotgun shells. Right. There's no there was 20. Nothing. There was no nope. 20, no 28, no 410. Nope. Nothing. So I'm like, what the heck? Like, how the heck? Right. We, we like I say, we're now we're, we're three to four years into this. You're telling me they're not, people are still demanding that much of it that there's a shortage yeah. or are they just not producing any or what what is what's up with that know. i'm sure there's people that obviously know way more than i do about that but yeah i just feel like every time i go and it's been five years now or whatever yeah. and i'm like yeah. man, back in the day it was never 
I, at the drop of a hat, I could go to basically any yeah. store around and pick up whatever I needed yeah. to go bird hunting or to go deer hunting yeah. or to go out back and shoot some yeah. ski. And um, I found, totally forgot about it. I'd bought two cases. I must have been 20, 21. We'd gone on a big skeet shooting rampage, me and a bunch of friends. We were shooting quite a bit. And I'd, well, I think it was Walmart or Kmart or something, had a deal. It was basically like a case of four boxes of target load. Winchester AA? For, these were, no, these were federal. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they're just a target load. Yeah. And I bought a full case of 20 gauge and a full case of 12 gauge. Yeah. They hadn't used them. Oh, you got them. And I was sitting here the other day going, oh, I got to get some 20 gauge target load. And it clicked on. I was like, I think I have some up in the shelf. And my God, they're, they're there. Oh, you found like a treasure trove. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. I probably well, good could for sell you. it for quite a profit. Yeah. Because I paid, I think, next to nothing for them. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Back, back in the day for the, uh, yeah, the trap shells, Winchester AA, I think they were called. You get, you buy them for nothing. Yeah. 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 I so. bought a pile of them. And yeah. I'd, we'd shot a lot. And yeah, those were just left over. I was like, thank yeah. God I I found those so I can do some shooting. But for Lacey's 28 gauge, I don't want to shoot, you know, heavy game load. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Burn no I don't with. blame you. So I was like, get some I might let her and, shoot a shot or two or whatever, but I'm no, but I, didn't, I, I wouldn't let her even, blast through a box of shells with that stuff. They didn't so. even have it there. No. Anything else? Uh, this one was kind of all over the place a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of some, yeah. like I said, I don't want to get, come to find out that another podcast had just talked about Sunday hunting. I wasn't going to get too much into. Yeah. And the, yeah. Pod, this time of year, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but this time of year, I don't. I save a lot of the hunting and fishing outdoor podcasts I listen to for bird season. So right. I'll download them because when we're up in the woods, we're a little more seat time. Yeah. I like to listen to them. Yeah. So I also listen to a lot of podcasts about like medical and health. And if I'm riding with someone, they don't want to listen to that. No. Lacey doesn't want to hear anything about some of that yeah. stuff. So I'll save, kind of get like a library of yeah. the, the good podcasts yeah. and save those for when I'm driving you. over to the camp, I'll listen yeah, to one. It gets I'll, you in the mood for, yeah. for hunting there, season. There's, uh, there's some good podcasts out there. There was one, they, they're doing a series on the legendary whitetail hunters, and the guy went around to Lanny Benoit, Jim Massett, Joe Donito, and the, it was that was really good. That was, yeah, he went right to their home. Who, who was that one? I think that was uh, Hunt Suburbia. Okay. It was uh, Patrick Goyette there who puts on Huntstock. Okay. Yeah. I, in fact, Driving out here, I was listening to, listening to one with Jim Massett, and that was really yeah, super. Jim Massett's an interesting guy. Yeah, that was really super interesting, yeah. and and just the whole Connecticut. Uh, I think they called him Connecticut Bob. There, they they had some really good whitetail hunters in there. The older guys that had been around the block yeah. a few times, and that that is that's uh, worth listening to. Yeah. I'll, Northeast Whitetails does listened, a lot of I've podcast and. I've listened to a few of his, because he had Lanny on a few years ago. Yeah. A year or two yeah. ago. And that was the first time I'd, I'd come across that one. Yeah. With the usual, like, I mean, Big Woods Box, they've got a good podcast. They do. Staggercast. I like listening to them. Yeah. But I try to, you know, save a lot of those for right when I'm traveling, when I'm going into camp. It kind yeah. of, I like listening to it then. It kind of gets you in yeah. the mood for, yeah. for what's to come, gets you fired up for yeah. 
for hunting season. Yeah, Northeast Whitetails does some good podcasts, and there's a lot of times as the younger guys, you know, the the up and comers, the guys okay. that are, and they're good hunters too. They're they're really good hunters, and yeah, uh, there's a lot of good hunters. Yeah, hunters yeah. around, but they they live a hunting lifestyle that I could never. I mean, these guys seem to have unlimited time and stuff, and they travel to they hunt numerous states. They they chase snow from New York to Maine, you yeah. know, whether it be. Even Massachusetts, we never considered Massachusetts no. a place to go tracking whitetails. And that's, there's, they there go was there, a, New yeah. Hampshire, Vermont, the whole shebang. There was a period in my life when I, I didn't, I couldn't really hunt a whole lot because I was starting. That, that period is right now. Well, it's no, still, I can hunt more than, no, when yeah, I was. But, in, but you can't hunt like these guys hunt. No, God, no. No. No, I, but no. When I was in college, there was a lot going on. Right. And you know, now I'm you had a you had a hard time getting a day to go hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Now so there yeah, there was a period of transition of starting a career and all that stuff. You kind of kind of have your focus in other areas and don't get a lot of time. But now I'm, you know, living in the area that I hunt, so right. I can pretty well It's still it's but still, I can't be traveling no, I can't be traveling all over the northeast eastern uh, seaboard to, Yeah. And to and it's hunt. a little different from us. We're we're what, six hours away from New Hampshire or whatever? Yeah, if you live in Vermont or New Hampshire, you get, you're, you're centrally located. You, we are not centrally located. States are, states this is small. it. Those We're states long, are smaller than Aroostook County. Yeah. Those states are smaller yeah, than Aroostook yeah, County. This is, this is it. Traveling, they actually jump. They can go from, well, if there's, you know, snow in the Adirondacks, they'll shoot down yeah. there. And if there's snow in Maine, they can well, shoot look up at, here. And, look at a map. Look where Jackman is. Yeah. You basically cut over to New Hampshire. Yeah. Vermont. Yeah. I mean, you're all right. Right. Into Canada. Yeah. If you want to go into Canada. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you can. Yeah. You kind of forget about that way up here. Yeah. That, they, geez, how do these guys, you know, get to shoot three deer? Like, I, I just would never, unless I owned a plane or something. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. They're right in the. And you know what? And I. Right in the mix and, of it all. And you probably feel the same way, Paul. I, I love deer hunting and stuff, but I'm not going to. And these guys would probably, I don't know, I, I wouldn't sacrifice my family for, for. No, there's, you got to kind of have balance in yeah, your life. Uh, yeah. You know, I figure when I worked and when I had a family, I figured if I had a week to go deer hunting. You were fortunate. I was fortunate, you know, and uh, yeah. And so, back then up here, that's all you needed. Yeah. You were going to get a chance. There in was a enough week. deer. You were going to get a chance in a week to shoot a deer if you worked hard and stuff. And so. Because usually the first few days at camp, you would shoot a deer. Yeah. 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 I, any luck I, at all. Even if I had that, if I lived down there and had that access and that ability to do what I I wouldn't do it, I, I would feel like I was. Uh, Selfish. Yeah. Yeah. That I'd be, I was neglecting my family and the things I needed to do, and yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't do no, it. No, and that kind of brings us back to appreciating the hunt. Yeah, when you get a week, yeah. When you get a week off, yeah. Yeah. you savor, yeah. you probably suck as much life out of yeah. that. Yeah. Have that you ever seen is, some of those podcast or the uh, hunting shows where the guy hunts thirty days and you can, by the end of the season he's wore out? He it's a it's a job. Probably hates hunting at that point. He, yeah. <laughs> he's just doing it now because he's got to fulfill his and he's got to do it and yeah. and you're going yeah you're going you you really 
are not no, looking forward to this. You don't have to do this. <laughs> yeah. But he feels like he's obligated to do it. It's and, supposed yeah. to be a hobby. Yeah. Then it becomes a job. And that's like you say, when you have a week off, you appreciate it. Yeah. And you put all you got into it. And, yeah. And uh, we were laughing about that at work there one time. The, cause I'm not a person that takes a lot of time off. Yeah. Someone has to take my responsibility. Right. When I'm not there. Right. And I don't like putting that on someone, but they're laughing. They're like, yeah. Yeah, you don't feel bad in November. I'm like, <laughs> I absolutely do not feel bad in November. Yeah. <laughs> at all. Yeah. Like, sayonara. Yeah. But like I say, even Paul, if you go hard for a week, you know, sometimes you're, you're glad to get home. Well, that's another, another reason why yeah. having no Sunday week, hunting is, yeah. is good. Yeah. You're glad to get home and you're glad to, you, you know, you know, recover. you gave it a good shot and you worked hard and yeah. time to shift gears and get back into real life. Yeah. I used to think so. about that too, when the Benoins, cause the first exposure that I had to, you know, someone really extensively Hunting was the Benoins. Right. I, I remember thinking back then, like, holy smokes, I go for a whole month. Yeah. And it's probably come up at deer camp in the past where it's like, geez, a month. Probably after about two weeks. Yeah. Like, holy smokes. Like, yeah. Maybe getting a little tired. Granted, they're obviously they're not hunting balls to the wall every day. Well, because the conditions aren't. And then Always conducive to that. Right. And then you find out the truth, too, that some of that came out later in in the last few years in Lanny's podcast there that he would go home. Yeah. And say, when conditions are good, I'll call me. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't going to beat through the woods yeah. every day for 30 days and uh, looking for a deer. Yeah. He would literally go home and say, when conditions are good, then I'll do, I'll then I'll hunt. And that's, so, I mean, that's wise. Yeah. Yeah. You and Joe Donito does the same thing. He's got a, he's got a big uh, dairy farm in New York and he, he doesn't hunt a lot of days, but when the good days come, he's out there, yeah. he's going to hunt and he's going to push hard. Dairy farm. That's. Yeah. That's. That's a lot of work. Seven. Oh yeah. It's 24 yeah, seven no, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously he's got a lot of, a lot of help. Yeah. So, yeah. There's no. I think they said he had 1500. Cows oh, or something smokes. like that. Okay. It's a huge dairy farm. Yeah, right. no, that's not something you do on your own. No. So. You mean he's not out there milking them by hand? No, I don't think so. <laughs> In a bucket? I, you'd have to ask him, but no, I don't no, think no. that's the case. So. All right. Anything else? No, that's. uh. I got to get the canoe done. Yeah, you're working on yeah, that this gotta, afternoon? Or? I don't know. I'd like to sand it, but I don't have anyone that can help me carry it out anymore. <laughs> so. I, I was talking to somebody about that today. I don't know what today. I'm going to do. I can I can hold it up, but boy, I can't go down to the floor to get it. Uh, I'll tell you that. That's heavy, Paul. Yes, yeah, so everything's sanded on it. You do realize I've had two hernia surgeries. So well, you, what's uh, one more? Yeah, well, it's a, it's the third. <laughs> That's what it is. So I, yeah, we we got everything sanded on it. Yeah, and then I mixed up some epoxy with some yeah. cedar flour and yeah. silica, and basically made a putty to fill any gaps, holes. Yeah. So that's all done. That epoxy actually is very nice. It cures. Yeah. I, I didn't have any issues using the batch that I made. I made, it was basically like four ounces. Yeah. Um, I checked for my pump too, by the way. Did you see it? Could not find okay. it, Paul. And I found my supplies. I found the uh, the glass and I found the uh, the resin and hardener and I could not find any. So yeah. I'm assuming I threw them. Probably. 
I'm assuming yeah, nitrile. It was, that was my bad. I when I ordered yeah. the stuff, I had two pumps in the cart, and like I said, their website it's a little bit dated, mm-hmm. and the cart kept doing wonky stuff as I would add more stuff to it. Yeah, and I think one of the pumps got dropped. Yeah, so I ended up only getting one pump, and I I need at least two because you don't want to be sticking a hardener pump no, in the resin. Do, no, you can't and do vice that. versa going back and forth. Yeah. So I mean, and, and it's an easy ratio. It's a two yeah. to one ratio to mix that stuff up. So it's easy yeah. to measure in a uh, a cop or whatever it is that you're you're using for a vessel to hold it. Yeah, I remember. Like I say, I use the same uh, same product. And I don't remember having any problem with it at all. Yeah. I found it easy to easy to work with. It's actually a lot easier, isn't it, Paul, than polyester resin and stuff? Oh, way easier. Yeah, that's the, problem, I re- the polyester resin, the old, he doesn't even right. talk about it in the book anymore. Yeah. But that old school boat building right. resin, like one of the guys that we know that built one, he said, I think the biggest cost of building his canoe was all the uh, orbital sander pads he went through. Ooh, he yeah. said he would literally... That stuff would gum up a pad. Yeah. And d- you would just yeah. do one spot and then your pad would be completely gummed up. Isn't it more toxic? In, in Probably stuff? is. Yeah. I'm not yeah. too familiar with I, it. So we'll see how it goes. That next will be once I sand down all those patches, which will just take, I don't know, half hour or so. Start. I'll put on the basically the base coat first because that wood sucks up a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of epoxy. So I'll do the whole canoe with no fiberglass. Just get a nice coat sucked into the wood and then fiberglass. And you say you don't have to sand that if you do it within 24 hours they or said, something? Yeah, when I called the company, he was like, yeah, if you do another coat within 24 to 48 hours, you don't have to sand it all. Yeah. You're good. It'll. Well, that'll be good. You want to make sure you do that. That sanding's a pain in the yeah. butt. So. But the stuff sands easy. I grabbed just a, a, a yeah. piece of sandpaper by hand and just sanded a spot. It's like, oh my god, an orbital sander. I go over yeah. this in two seconds yeah. and can move yeah. on. All right. Yeah. Hopefully, I maybe the next one. Probably have a guess. Maybe the next one or the one after. Waiting to hear from RL when he's coming up. Yeah. Oh yeah, should be pretty soon. He'd be an interesting guy. Yeah. yeah. He's probably the. He's probably one of the best. Most diverse hunters I know. Yeah. That's kind of good at a lot of different. Right. Yeah. You don't have many guys from up here going out west or anything. He like does kind of does it all expanded archery. In the archery. And, and yeah. he yeah. kind of just does it all. Yeah. And he's usually the first person I get a deer picture from. Yeah. If he's out deer hunting, he's probably going to shoot one. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. And he's not always holding out for the biggest. He shoots yeah. shoot some nice deer, but yeah. he's not one to, especially if he's got, you know, the ability to shoot two or three right deer, depending on where he's hunting. Uh, he'll right, he'll pull he'll pull the trigger on a smaller one right yeah. away. But yeah, yeah, he does some stuff out west. He likes a challenge. Yeah, he he's likes. A, yeah, he likes. A, like, there's a story. I think it was a mule deer he shot, and uh, I think he had to pack it out like eight miles. Yeah. He would have the buddy he was hunting with. He wouldn't even let him carry his gun. He yeah. said, No, I want to do it one hundred percent on my own. Yeah. That would be that So would he's be. like, I'll carry the gun, I'll carry everything. Yeah. Yeah, and he's in good shape. Yeah, and he just did a a uh Iron Man. He did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he just 
just completed one. Yeah. Kind of, he must have been a closet trainer or something. Wasn't telling anyone. Yeah. My, <laughs> and then uh, went and did it and didn't you really. Do, you do realize your aunt's step, uh, your aunt's uh, stepson is a triathlete yeah. and he is the, uh, he was ranked number one marathoner in the world in the masters category. Number one in the world. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. He, very impressive. Yeah. He ran a race. They called it the out in the Gobi Desert. Can't remember. Something challenge. People from all over the world. And he won it. And I mean, not yeah. just his age group, but he won the, the friggin' race out in Mongolia. Yeah, that's crazy. The Gobi, the Gobi Challenge or something like that. And he, uh, it's a, like a, I don't know how many mile, 100 miles or something. It's yeah. a crazy race out in the desert. And he won it. Yeah, he's uh, he. This guy is amazing. Yeah, he goes all around the world doing it now. Yeah, has some. Yeah. He did some in Hawaii. I remember there. Yeah, there. Yeah, and... yeah. He uh, he. I believe he won the uh, the Boston Marathon in his age group, and he was running. Oh, I shouldn't say what he. I, w I was thinking it was two thirty. No, I think look at it. It's Kenny Rideout. Yeah, Kenny Rideout, and he is. Uh, he's in his fifties. Yeah. So, and I did yeah. it later in life. Yeah, it's my kind of like Aunt Leslie. Yeah, well, that's she did like the same I say, thing. Yeah, she picked it up Leslie, later. Leslie, that's Leslie's stepson. So, yeah, she yeah. did it later in life. And yeah, she was good at yeah. it. His father Kenny had told me about it, and I looked it up online, Paul, and you can look it up there. And I found some rating, and his name was number one okay. in the world for a ranking for for a marathon for the Masters cat. Anybody over fifty, number one in the world. Dang. That's, so, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he did his, he was going to do his first, first triathlon and ended up being an Ironman was his first triathlon. Yeah. And that's something he would do. Yeah. It would be this go from not ever doing a triathlon. Let's just go do to, an Ironman. To the, to the most uh, yeah. Yeah, challenging. Yeah. 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 I guess he did quite well. So we'll ask him about it when he comes. Yeah. But so. the kind of joke, people were joking with him like, what are you, Closet training? No one had any right. idea of that. Right, because to do that stuff, you're it's not just pretty gonna, hard to hide it because you're you got to do gonna, a lot of training. Yeah, to, you're not just you, going to walk on. Right, right. And it, start it, swimming it requires and requires many, and, many hours of road work and yeah. training to to yeah. do that. So, so, all right. Yep. Well, I guess that sums it up yep. for today. So until next time, get outside. It's good for the soul. See ya. See ya.